to the book of Ruth, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 2, and we uh, started that last week. We're going to go ahead, and did I say dismiss the children already? Okay. All right, so let me just read to you. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version uh, in this series on the book of Ruth, and, and for those of you who weren't here with us last week, let me just bring you up. And we'll start in verse 1. It says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Though Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Of course, Naomi's husband is dead, and also Ruth's husband is dead. And so they're both widows, and they're both impoverished. And so she tells her daughter-in-law to glow glean in the field so that they could pick up some things that had been dropped. And in the verse 6 it says, So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman which came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean, gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now that she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter. Will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. And let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. So she's receiving some specific instructions. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So we see that Boaz is providing a place for her to reap. Boaz is also providing protection for her. And he is also providing refreshment for her. Now notice with me in verse 10. So she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? So we see woven throughout chapter 2 the word favor. In verse 11, And Boaz answered and said, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth. And you've come to a people whom you did not know before. And so Boaz is recognizing the faithfulness of Ruth and he is commending 
her for it. And verse 12 said, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. So we see the benefits that she reaped as a result of her faithfulness. She was being repaid. She was going to receive a full reward and also that she was going to have a refuge under the wings of El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. And so we talked about some of those things last week. Then she said, let me find what? Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and has spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. No, Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. And so she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So we see here that Boaz, being a type, by the way, of Christ, continues to show Ruth tremendous favor. Does not our Redeemer show you and I great favor? She found favor. When we are born again, we come in to a family of favor. In Psalms 5.12, the scripture says that God himself will compass us about as with a shield of divine favor. When God's favor is on your life, it speaks of provision. It speaks of protection it speaks of power over all of your enemies and it speaks of the grace of God that is so abundantly given to the children of God favor what is favor well favor is something that is granted out of goodwill you cannot earn favor it is the goodness of God. It is a fact that your loving Father, your merciful, gracious Father, has bestowed favor upon you. He wants you to know that. He wants you to believe that. He wants you to expect His favor to show up in every area of your life. Whether it be in an application for a job or believing God for promotion, or whatever the case may be, you are a favorite of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and He has favors He wants to do for you. When God spoke to Abram, and He told him about His glorious plan that He had for him, He said this, Abram, I am going to bless you 
with an abundant increase of favors. That's the kind of God we serve. Favors, plural. Amen. Jerry Savelle says this. He says, when the favor of God goes before you, it opens doors that no man can shut. It opens doors that men say are impossible to open. The favor of God will change rules, regulations, policies, and even bring down governments, if necessary, to get you through the door that God wants you to go through. As a church, we just experienced wonderful favor with the people that are refinancing our loan. They dropped us from 7% to 6%. They took a half point off of the closing costs to where it could have cost over 50000 Now it's in the 20000s area. We have favor with God and favor with man. Instead of us having to have hundreds and hundreds of thousands on reserve, they've made it more practical for us. They have told us by the end of 011, they want us to have a hundred thousand in the bank. They told us by the end of 2012, they want us to have a hundred and fifty thousand in the bank. They told us by 213, they want us to have two hundred thousand in the bank. I am declaring that it's happening even now. But that's a whole lot better than needing, you know, two hundred and fifty to 300000 at closing. At least, you know, it blessed me. And we're all joined together. Amen? Amen. And so God's favor is beneficial for the children of God. Expect His favor. When they called us on the phone, they said, you must have been praying and fasting because they were intimating that they'd never seen this happen before. I think we ought to just give the God of favor, honor, and praise Him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And I love what Pastor Tom said. It's a step. Amen. We're stepping toward the land of debt free. Now, expect His favor to show up. See, when... Favor is on your life. It's noticeable. People see something on you that's different than people on the world. Even though Joseph was in prison, he had favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And that favor brought Joseph to a place of supernatural increase and promotion. Amen. And when the children of Israel left Egypt, the favor was so strong on them that they were not infiltrated by the enemy. They were not bound by the plagues around them. And the favor of God caused them to leave with fullness. He said, when you go, you shall not go empty. And did not God bring them through with silver and gold? And there was not one feeble among their tribes. What I want you to see, friends, is this, is we've got a better covenant established 
upon better promises. See, here's what favor will do for you. Favor will cause you to be recognized. Favor will cause you to be promoted. Even when you seem like the least likely to receive it. Do you remember when the prophet went down to find the next king to Jesse's house? And all of the sons came out before the prophet. And they said, that's not the one. That's not the one. And then he turned to Jesse and he says, don't you have someone else? And he said, yeah, I've got David, but he's young and he's out tending to the sheep. Exactly. David was faithful. David was positioned for promotion. David was positioned for favor. Because he was doing what his hand found to do. Saul said to Jesse, let David, I pray thee, stand before me. Why? Because he has found favor in my sight. And then I want you to just take another quick side journey. Turn with me to Psalms 44, verse 3. Thank you, Lord, for favoring your people. Thank you, Lord, for favoring your people. We charge the atmosphere with favor. We charge our hearts with grace and with favor. We thank you, Lord, for favor for the Christians in the Bay Area. Listen to this now. Here's what favor will do for you. Favor will give you the victory over major battles... Hallelujah, that you don't even have to fight because God will fight them for you. Now, I realize we're to fight the good fight of faith, and I understand that. But listen to this in Psalm 44, verse 3. Are you ready? Let's read. For they did not get the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance why? Because thou hadst a favor unto them. Hallelujah. Everyone say favor a couple of times. Oh, Father, thank you for your favor. Oh, thank you for your favor. Thank you, Father, for giving your people preferential treatment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Preferential treatment for your people. In Jesus' name, I prophesied over you. Now let's look at chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And let's keep tracking this glorious uh, picture of redemption through verse by verse. Verse 17 and 18 of chapter 2, Ruth. So she gleaned in the field until that night and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ifa of barley or a five and a half gallon tub. That's large. Then she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after that she had been satisfied. I'm telling you, he satisfies the longing soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a pretty day's, good day's work, five and a half gallons. 
And she brought more than a doggy bag home. Maybe she needed help carrying it. Now notice with me in verses 19 through 23. Let me read. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, this man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord. Now listen, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. Doesn't that sound like he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Amen. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relation of ours. One of who our close relatives, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you will stay close by my young men until they have finished with all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter. See, Naomi knows something. She's got some information now. Ruth doesn't have the knowledge yet. She's going to get it. But Naomi is getting happy. And she said to her daughter, it's good, my daughter, that you go out with these young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. In other words, stay in the field that God led you to. And I love what Pastor Tom said at the end of last week's service. You know, if God tells you to go to a certain field, a certain church, stay there. Be faithful there. Stop drop, ha, ha. Stop jumping from field to field. Amen. Okay. It's a good word. Hallelujah. <laughs> she says, it's a good thing. Don't go in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Wow. Just think about an attitude change that Naomi had. Is this the same lady that we read about in chapter 1 that was bitter? The favor of God caused her to go from bitterness to bitterness. God's favor in one moment, in one day, can take you from the land of bitter to the land of better to the land of abundance. Naomi's getting happy. The best thing that Naomi did was to leave Moab and head back to her home. The best thing that Ruth did was to follow Naomi. Hallelujah. She's happy. She is blessed. And so she says, stay close to this guy now, Boaz. Now let's start chapter 3. You ready? Verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Now, the word rest there in the Hebrew speaks of what a home should be. It speaks of what a marriage should be. It speaks of a place of rest and security. Marriage, according to God, 
when two people have hearts for God, they should have rest in their home. There should not be wrangling and murmuring and anger and one person in church and another person at home. She said, I want you to, God's, she says, God's favor is going to work so strong on you that you're going to have rest. You're going to, you're going to find a husband and there's going to be security for you. And my prayer for you tonight, that if your home is filled with unrest, that you would get a glimpse of God's plan for your marriage and arise and declare peace be still and work out your difficulties and let God's love just permeate your relationship afresh and anew and he will do it. Verse 2. And now is not Boaz one of our kindred with whose maidens you were with? Behold, he's winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor. And she is about now to give her daughter-in-law instructions to go to the threshing floor. And the suggestion that she gave to Ruth was an ancient custom of Israel. And the near relative that Boaz was in the Hebrew is called Goel. A Goel. He is, he is our kindred. He is our kinsman. He is related to us. He is a Goel. Now let me just tell you what a Goel is and what a Goel means. It means several things. The Goel sometimes is translated kinsman redeemer who had a specific role in Israel's family life. Now, for example, the kinsman redeemer was responsible to buy a fellow Israelite out of slavery that had been bound. The Goel was also responsible to be the avenger of blood. Now, what does that mean? That means to make sure that the murder of a family member answered to the crime. A Goel was also responsible to buy back family land that had been forfeited. And a Goel was also responsible, listen, to carry on the family name by marrying a childless widow. Ruth was a childless widow. Ruth was in position at the feet of her kinsman redeemer. And so we see the Goel, the kinsman redeemer, responsible to safeguard the persons, the property, and the pros posterity of the family. Oh, hallelujah. So we see then that Boaz was a recognized goel for the family of Elimelech. 
And so in verse 3, here's Naomi's instructions to Ruth. Wash yourself. Good thing to do. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and go down to the floor, but make not thyself known unto the man until the man of God has eaten and drank. And it shall be that when Boaz lies down, thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down, and he shall tell thee what thou shalt do. This is not making a sexual pass. She is not throwing herself at Boaz. In Israel, when you would come to the feet of someone, you would come as a humble servant. And you would come as a person that was completely and totally submitted to the person whose feet you were at. Oh, we can come to the feet of Jesus. And so what Ruth was saying, I submit to you. I humble myself to you. I put my very life in your hands. Oh, hallelujah. That's what we do when we come to Jesus. That's what we do when we make him Lord. We worship at his feet. And we say, Lord... Not my will, but your will be done. And that's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he prayed the prayer of consecration and dedication, he said, Lord God, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, come on, somebody, not my will, but let your will, <laughs> your will be done. See, now, understand this, that Ruth is now aware of the fact that Boaz is a goel. She's now aware of the fact that she has a right to go to Boaz and ask him to take her as his wife because she was childless. She was a widow. It was a custom. But she did not go to the threshing floor arrogantly. She went to the threshing floor humbly. And even though you and I have been invited into the throne room, and he tells us to come boldly, boldness and arrogance are two separate things. Arrogance has an air of superiority about it. That, hey, I belong here. Hey, what's up, daddy-o? But boldness is based on covenant. And that we are unafraid to go to the threshing floor. We're unafraid to go into the throne room because we have a sense of belonging. But we do so with reverence. We do so with honor. Amen? And so we see here 
that Ruth is on target right here. She comes with the right spirit. She comes with the right heart. Can you see that? And verse 5, and she, and she said unto her, all that you say unto me, I will do. Verse 6, and she went down to the floor and did all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drank, his heart was merry. Amen. Don't you get merry when you have a good meal and something good to drink? And I'm not talking about Bud Light. So. He's happy. And so he goes then down to the end of the heap of corn and she comes softly and she uncovered his feet and she laid down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid. What the? Who's this? And turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. Probably freaked out. I could be stoned for this. Who is this woman? A woman laying at his feet. And verse 9, and he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth. I'm your handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Again, there's no sexual connotation there whatsoever. The phrase could be translated as this, spread the corner of your garment over me. And this is a way to say culturally, I am a widow. Please take me as your wife. Take me as your wife. The spreading of a skirt then over a widow was a, was a way of claiming her as a wife. And this is attested among many Middle Eastern people, especially the Arabs. Adam Clark says this. He said that even to this present day, when a Jew marries a woman, he throws the skirt or the end of his talith over her to signify that he has taken her under his protection. The kinsman redeemer, a type of Christ, has spread his wings over us. He has given us a garment of praise. He has blessed us with robes of righteousness. And he says, you're joined to me. I'm joined to you. And we have now become one spirit. And what God has joined together, the devil cannot tear apart. Are you getting this tonight? Thank you, Lord. I'm about ready to bust out in some praise here right now. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. She says, you are my kinsman redeemer. In Ezekiel 16, 8, God uses the same terminology in relation to Israel. He says, I spread my wing over you and I cover your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord. God said to his children of Israel, I see your nakedness, but I'm covering you. Oh, hallelujah. 
outside of Christ, we have nothing. We are stripped, naked, if you will, spiritually. But God saw you, and he saw me in our nakedness. And he said, that's my son. That's my daughter. I'm sending my son to die for them. Not only to cover and to remit, but to completely remove their sin. And I'm making them new men and new women in Christ. And that's why Paul says, put on the new man which is created in righteousness and true holiness. And that's why Paul said to Ephesians, he said, hey, put on the whole armor of God. Get your loins girt about with truth. Here's a breastplate of righteousness. Hey, I got shoes for you. They're shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here's a helmet. Here's a hat for you. It's a helmet of salvation. And by the way, if the enemy comes against you one way, I'm giving you the sword of the spirit. And he's going to have to flee before you. Come on now. Seven ways. Hallelujah. So, verse 10. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter. For thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I'm going to do to thee all that you require for all the city of my people doth know that you are a virtuous woman. The word virtuous there in the Hebrew means strong, morally strong, good quality. It means integrity. It means virtue. The same word is used in a term for heroes in the Bible. The same word is used for Gideon, a mighty man of valor. Listen to this. Just as courage and strength make a man a hero, so Ruth's courage and strength showed her virtue, makes her a hero, a Proverbs 31 kind of woman. Boaz is blessed to see her virtue. Verse 12, and now it is true. That I am your near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman closer than me. Verse 13. Now tarry this night. And it shall be in the morning. That if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well. Let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee. Then I will do the part of a kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth lie down until the morning. And verse 14. And she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came into the floor. And he wasn't trying to hide anything that was scandalous. It was just that Boaz didn't want the near kinsman to learn that Ruth was now demanding her right to marriage to a Goel before that Boaz could get to him personally. Verse 15, she said, bring the veil that you have upon me and hold it. And when she held it, he measured. Now, look at it here. We're, we're going to extra now. Everyone say extra zone. <laughs> bring your veil now. Hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Say it. Lay it on me, Lord. <laughs> you know, he's loading her down. He's blessing her. 
You know, Psalm 68, 19 says, blessed be the Lord God who daily loads you and daily loads you and daily loads you and daily loads me with benefits. What kind of benefits? Benefits of favor. So he lays the blessing of God on her. It was six measures of barley and laid it on her and she went into the city Someone said this was 33 gallons or 120 liters of grain. Maybe she had some of the young men help her. I believe we're going to come to a day where we get so blessed we're going to need help. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Going to need help carrying the blessings. Amen. But, you know, when you have a giver's heart, praise the Lord, you won't even get to the city. You'll just sow it and giving it all along the way. Amen. Because you're blessed to be a blessing. Thank you, Lord. All right. Verse 16. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, who art thou, my daughter? And she told, in other words, what is going on here? And she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, these six measures of barley gave he me. For she said to me, go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Amen. When God blesses you, he blesses others. Verse 18. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until you know the matter how the matter will fall for the man will not rest until he has finished the thing this day. Amen. So we see a beautiful type. Then Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, a type of Christ. We see several types throughout chapter two and chapter three of Ruth's heart is after God. And because she was after God, God was after her. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, let's pull it up and we'll close tonight. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, my prayer is that we all walk in the blessings. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. I don't want to misquote it, so let's read it together. Let's go, saints. Verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Just keep going until we stop. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. Notice that all these blessings came upon Ruth. And what did they do? They overtook her. She was not really seeking the blessing, was she? She was just obeying the Lord. And so the condition of verse 1 and 2 is basically this. If you'll just simply hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Amen? How many of you have heard the voice of God before? Well, you've got 66 books of the voice of God in your lap. Be a doer of the word of God and let God's blessings begin to overtake you. That good enough for tonight? Well, I did my best. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord glory. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. We give you praise for it. We're excited about the future. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.